Hello and welcome to Beyond Markets by Julius Baer, a series featuring conversations with experts to share recent market developments, key insights and strategic inputs from around the globe. Hello and welcome back to another episode. Today we're going to be speaking about quite an emotive issue and that is divorce and how it affects your succession planning. And usually our podcast is all about community and keeping families unified with a common purpose and strengthening these bonds. And these are vitally important themes. But sadly, of course, that can't always be the case. People can and they do go through divorce. And so inevitably, a divorce's impact on things like wealth and succession will be front of mind. So today I'm joined by Martin Carey, Head of Key Clients and Positioning Fiduciary Services at Julius Baer to talk about this very interesting and relevant issue. So Martin, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Thank you for your invitation. It's nice to have the opportunity. And so before we get into the nitty gritty of it all, can you tell me a little about your work and what your day to day looks like? It's quite varied. Um, It it certainly um, changes every day. Um, So sometimes I'm involved on the the positioning side of my uh, role. Uh, What we're doing now is an example of that. It's about presenting ourselves internally within Julius Baer and also um, externally sometimes so that people know we're there and what we do. Um, At the core of my focus, uh, other services are provided by our two trust companies. We've got one in Switzerland and one in Singapore. And very briefly, I've got a a background in fiduciary services, in trust services then, same thing, going back 40 years. And so I'm sure there's a very personal aspect um, to what you do. I'm sure you and your team, you're seeing clients at some of the happiest moments of their lives and perhaps the less happy moments. Um, One of those, unfortunately, can be divorce. So when it comes to succession and how spouses can or should be involved, can you tell me what listeners should take note of? Yes, I think the most important thing is to start by by recognising that even though it seems unromantic, it is a simple fact that 40 to 50% of marriages end in separation or divorce. Um, and that's fairly consistent across the world. It is a good idea, I think, before going into a marriage uh, to discuss the possibility that this could happen. And we mustn't think of, of, of this sort of planning um, as being negative. Um, if it's approached correctly, it gives both parties certainty in the future and that's a positive thing i think too often particularly in the media uh, things like prenuptial agreements are described in the wrong way as though they're some sort of um almost you could say poison pill planning so that if one party has more wealth than the other um the other party in the event of divorce is left penniless or something like that um that is in my experience not the way to approach uh, such planning, um, and um, it can even even be quite legally uh, vulnerable to attack. So that's not the way forward. I am focused on key clients. Uh, these are clients who have had a relationship with Julius Baer. Of sometimes it's new, but we have many clients who have uh, had a relationship with Julius Baer for decades. Um, and so, uh, part of what of my role is to uh, offer continuity to families. And there are families that I've worked with now for 20 years. But we also need to institutionalize um, how we deal with families because, of course, wealth lasts a long time, or we hope it does. Um, And so that's why I'm always working as a team with colleagues. It's not a 
a one-person show, not in any way at all. We're always adopting a, a team approach to what we do. And in your line of work, then, what uh, what trends are you seeing when it comes to, to, to modern families and their wealth? And do you see divorce becoming even more of a prominent topic? Uh, definitely. Uh, I mean, the trends that you see emerging um, over the past few decades, in a way, one of them is that there is a high level of separation and divorce, as said, uh, 40 to 50 percent as a general uh, rule. There are countries uh, where it's less and there are countries where it goes up to 60 percent. That's one trend that we see. Another trend is the international side of things. Uh, many families, or in fact, I, most families that I come across nowadays, they have family members in different countries. In the past, people were less mobile. And um, that mobility uh, also presents a challenge because when you plan the succession of wealth and maybe plan things like the uh, possible uh, breakdown of a marriage, it always is more complicated when there are multiple countries involved. So that's another trend. Asia is an important part of our business uh, as a, a private bank, and, uh, and that makes me mention another trend which I've noticed in the past, I would say, 15 or so years. There has been or is a high level of contentious divorce in Asia, uh, very prominent in the media. I certainly don't have an opinion as to why, but it's just a fact um, that it, it occurs. And so this is also causing an increasing demand amongst our clients in, in Asia for planning uh, the succession of their wealth. So what then are some common pain points that might come up for those trying to navigate these matters? And would it be fair to say there are sort of two angles we can look at this from? So there's the person at the centre of a, a marriage or a potential divorce, and there's the party who wants to put in place preventative measures, so to protect their family wealth from in, in the long term. Yes, I think it, it makes sense to distinguish between those um, uh, two aspects. First of all, let's deal with um, uh, someone or a couple uh, wanting to plan the succession of the wealth between them. Uh, in the event of a separation or divorce. Um, that's the, the trickier issue. There are tools available. Uh, as mentioned, prenuptial agreements are the most obvious tool of choice. It's a complicated area. Both parties need independent legal advice. If they don't ha take that, it can make the agreement um, vulnerable to attack at a later date. It's also very important to remember that the objective of such an agreement is to give security and predictability to both sides is not about creating a, a poison pill uh, in order to leave one party penniless in the event of a, a breakdown of a marriage but of course if they get good advice both parties should be advised that anyway by a good lawyer there's also a possibility of post nuptial planning because people might enter into a marriage with modest wealth and then one party might, or even both, but let's just assume one party principally builds up a substantial wealth or uh, substantial earnings or earnings potential over the years. And so it is possible to enter into an agreement uh, during the marriage. Now, one thing that is always worth bearing in mind with planning like this is that if a marriage does sadly break down, and assuming there's no prenuptial agreement 
at play. Um, any notion of shielding, any party shielding their will from uh, consideration by the divorce courts, it's completely flawed. And it is important to remind clients of this because most people in the world are honest, decent people, but if a marriage breaks down, it's emotionally charged, and even though they're honest, decent people, they might consider last-minute measures to give it a label uh, in order to shield their wealth because in the emotionally charged situation, it seems justifiable. But, of course, that sort of planning is, is improper. Um, and uh, so sometimes our clients need someone independent to just drop them the hint that, that that is an unwise way to go. And how can a high net worth family then, for example, mitigate the risks of losing wealth over generations from, from spousal disputes? Uh, there are techniques. Uh, definitely the way to do, to achieve, it's easier to achieve uh, in general than, than uh, uh, planning the succession of a uh, wealth uh, in respect of a, an existing or forthcoming uh, marriage. It's, it's because if Whoever has possession of the wealth um, has the right to plan it using different planning tools. The most regularly used tool are trusts. Trusts are, are, are much used in this um, in this area. But you, there are other mechanisms as well. Uh, for example, foundations or insurance planning. Um, and you can't. One mustn't overgeneralize because it it's particular to each family. Um, particularly where do they live in the world, what are the, uh, the fiscal rules that they have to um, uh, ab abide by, uh, and, and you have to individually design the solution um, for those clients. But I would say trusts are the most often used tool. And uh, a straightforward example is that someone with substantial wealth can establish a, a trust that will exist for potentially indefinitely or 100 years or 200 years. The beneficiaries are their descendants, but not the spouses of their descendants. So that's an obvious way of, of potentially um, planning the succession of wealth. Um, however, one must be careful about unintended consequences. Um, and again, I'll give a an example, it involves obviously the death of someone, unexpected. So somebody could set up a, a trust for future descendants. And at some point in the future, one of the descendants passes away, leaving minor children. Now, if the spouse is excluded, could that have unintended consequences? Because those children are themselves beneficiaries. But with, with the remaining parent still alive, if they don't have financial resources, it won't be a very happy family. And so there are ways of, of designing around this. And I, I think it's beyond the scope of this conversation to get into too much depth. The rule is it has to be done carefully with a lot of thought. And what about cases then where there might be a committed relationship and it's come to an end, but uh, there was no, no marriage that took place? So less of a legal tie. Maybe people might have children together. They might have been cohabiting or perhaps they were in same-sex marriages um, and maybe civil unions, for example, um, might not be recognised in, in the base country of their fortune. There's a trend across the world now, uh, increasingly, of uh, cohabitation, civil unions, same-sex uh, same relationships, etc., all being 
recognized as equivalent to marriage. That there is a general trend. But of course, in a country that doesn't recognize these things, it normally follows that there is also no protection in the event of a, a breakdown of a, a relationship. And so it varies from country to country. I would say, though, the general trend is, is towards all of these things being equivalent in the eyes of the law. Clearly, from, from what we've said, it's a very uh, emotional topic. It's going to spark high emotions in a family. So how then could um, the, the patriarch or a matriarch, how can they broach this topic um, with, with their children without causing a rift, for example, or without making it look like they don't trust their children's romantic choices? I think, first of all, the matriarch or patriarch should take the lead. There's nothing wrong with doing that. They have possession of wealth and they're concerned about the future of the family. But they should resist the temptation to bully the family into anything. By definition, if you do that, it's not a long-term solution. And so uh, they should take the lead, table the core principles transparently. So even if it might be uncomfortable, um, if, if the core principles, for example, protecting wealth from spouses, future spouses, if that isn't stated transparently, then uh, no good will come of it. That's another important principle. If there are uh, legal claims in existence in a family, maybe because, well, hopefully not because of a dispute, but maybe just because of inheritance laws or something like that, obstacles to, to the whole thing, then try to settle them uh, reasonably before conducting the planning. And after hopefully reaching a consensus, make sure that the agreement reached by the family the understanding is enshrined legally. Maybe it's a will, maybe it's a trust, or maybe it's a, a, some form of other inheritance contract, inheritance agreement. Um, either way, um, if it's going to be, if you like, effective into the future, then it, it can't just be a conversation. One of the mechanisms available is a so-called family constitution, um, they're much talked about in the media, etc. What is a family constitution? It's a document which shows the shared values of a family at a given point in time, when it's signed, of course. Generally, they're not legally enforceable, so it's just a, a record of the philosophies of the, and shares the shared values at that point in time. But the most important thing about a family constitution is not the document itself. As T.S. Eliot once said, the journey is the way. And the point about a family constitution is that the family have a conversation. It's often the case in this world that when uh, wealth dissipates during the succession process, it's because the family haven't actually talked together properly about the future and, and what their, their values are. I think there is a place for, for family constitutions. Uh, particularly when families are globally diverse. And so, Martin, we always like to ask our guests at the, the end of each episode their key wealth insights. So we've touched on quite a lot in this episode, but what are the main takeaways you'd like listeners to consider? In respect of a forthcoming marriage or, or an existing marriage, um, plan in advance, if at all possible. So uh, in advance of a marriage, consider a prenuptial agreement. Remember that such an agreement should be fair to both sides. Otherwise, it won't be effective. The purpose is to give both sides 
to a mar- both parties to a marriage predictability um, in the future. If sadly a marriage does break down, start will start breaking down without a prenuptial agreement in place. Forget any notion of shielding wealth uh, from the consideration by the court. It won't be effective and it's not right to do, even though it might be tempting in an emotionally charged uh, situation. Another Im- insight, I think, is that uh, planning for future generations um, is possible and actually it's generally easier than in respect to an existing or a forthcoming marriage. Thank you so much, Martin, for joining us today. And thank you to listeners at home. This is the Beyond Markets podcast, and you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. You have been listening to Beyond Markets by Julius Baer. If you like what you heard, subscribe to our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. To learn more about Julius Baer, our people, our latest thinking, visit us at www.juliusbaer.com. We will be back with a brand new episode soon. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliusbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further important legal information.